Thank you, Brother Scotty. Thank you, worship team, as always, for um, blessing us this morning, for leading us into the presence of God through worship. The Bible says that God inhabits the praises of his people. Isn't that true? What a powerful, powerful time of worship this morning. Thank you so much for that. Thank all of you, man, just for praising Jesus. He's worthy, isn't he? I love that, what we just uh, um, sang about there, one of my favorite songs, Never Once. Did we ever walk alone? Every step we are breathing in your grace and forevermore we'll be breathing out your praise. God, you are faithful. Isn't he faithful? You know what I've come to find out, folks? God is faithful in spite of me. The faithfulness of God is not determined upon my performance, but it's, listen, it's because of his character. God says that he's going to never leave me and never forsake me. Now, if that was up to me, I'd mess it up. But it's not up to me. It's up to him. He never leaves us. He never forsakes us. I'm reminded of uh, the story of a little boy who was just beginning to sleep in his room by himself. And he stayed upstairs in the upstairs bedroom. And his mama and daddy stayed downstairs in the master bedroom. And the first night that he went up to sleep by himself, they put him up in his bed. And about 15, 20 minutes after they had put him to bed there and tucked him in, they heard the little boy calling from upstairs, and he said, Mama. And she said, What? He said, I'm scared up here. I want to come and sleep with you and Dad. And she said, Son, you ain't got nothing to be scared about. Jesus is up there with you. And so he quietened down for a little bit. About 15, 20 minutes later, he called out again. He said, Mama. And she said, What? He said, I'm still scared. And she said, Son, I've already told you. You ain't got nothing to be scared about. Jesus is up there with you. And so about 30 minutes later, he finally got the nerve up to come downstairs and he slid the door open to his mom and daddy's room and he said, Mama. And she said, What, son? He said, I'm scared. I want to come sleep with you and daddy. And she said, Son, I've already told you. You ain't got nothing to be scared about. Jesus is up there with you. He said, Well, Mama, you go up there and sleep with Jesus. I'm supposed to come sleep with daddy. (laughs) Sometimes when we get frightened in our life and we go through some scary times, don't we? We wonder whether or not Jesus is with us. Well, I can tell you upon the authority of the Word of God, if you're a child of God this morning, He never leaves you nor forsakes you. He's always with you no matter what, according to Hebrews 13, 5. Thank you, brother, for that song. What a blessing that was. Thank you for all those. Uh, man, that was powerful this morning. Now, I'm talking to you this morning about the work of the Holy Spirit. We started this two weeks ago, and I am convinced that apart from the work of the Holy Spirit, We can never be what God has called us to be. We can never be what God has saved us to be if we are ignorant of the work of the Holy Spirit. Folks, we'll never be the soul winner God wants us to be if we are ignorant of the work of the Holy Spirit. We'll never be the prayer warrior God wants us to be if we are ignorant of the work of the Holy Spirit. We'll never be the minister that God wants us to be in any area of ministry that you have, whether it be preaching the sermon or teaching the class or singing the song or whatever it is, whatever ministry God's given you to be a part of in His body. You'll never be effective in that if you are ignorant from the work of the Holy Spirit. We can't be the husband God wants 
wants us to be or the uh, husband or wife needs us to be apart from the work of the Holy Spirit. We can't be the wife God wants us to be or the wife our husband needs us to be apart from the work of the Holy Spirit. I can't be the daddy I'm supposed to be that God wants me to be and my kids need me to be apart from the work of the Holy Spirit. We can do nothing apart from the work of the Holy Spirit. Folks, listen to me. Jesus said that in Him we can do all things. Well, like we've said many times before, that the Holy Spirit, the best definition I've ever heard of it, is Christ in the Christian. It's Jesus and the person of the Holy Spirit living in us and working through us to accomplish His good will and purpose. So apart from His work, we can do nothing. We need Him. We can go through the motions. We can do church. We sometimes learn to do church because of repetition. But folks, listen to me. Even though we can go through the motions and do church, we can never be effective in what God has called us to do and what God has called us to be apart from the work of the Holy Spirit. I love what Francis Chan said in his book, Crazy Love. Listen how he puts it. The church becomes irrelevant when it becomes purely a human creation. We are not all we were made to be when everything in our lives and churches can be explained apart from the presence and the work of God the Holy Spirit. Boy, he's right. That's why I keep telling you. What excites me at Mount Zion Baptist Church is not what I can do in my ability and not what you can do in your ability. What excites me about what God has done and is doing, and I'm looking forward in faith that he's going to do, is what alone he can do in his power by the work of the Holy Spirit. I'm talking about saving souls and breaking addictions and healing families. And listen, working in believers' lives so that we might become more like Christ. I love to see people hungry for the things of God, on fire for the work of God. And that happens only by and through the power, the work of the Holy Spirit. Trying to do God, listen to what Corey Ten Boom said. This is a good one. This may be my favorite quote concerning the Holy Spirit. Trying to do God's work in your own strength is the most confusing, exhausting, and tedious of all work. Isn't that the truth? But when you are filled with the Holy Spirit, then the ministry of Jesus just flows out of you. It's not something that you have to create. It's not something that you try and just do. It's who you are. When the Holy Spirit is living in you, working through you for His uh, purpose and for His honor and His glory, man, it makes all the difference. So we desperately need the work of the Holy Spirit in our individual lives and in our church. And we talked about what the work is. We talked about uh, two things, first of all. We said that uh, the Holy Spirit restores the presence of Jesus in this world, according to John 14, 6 through 18. Now, what do I mean when I say he restores the presence of Jesus? You see, the Bible tells us concerning Jesus that he came and finished his work here in this earth. If you believe his work's finished, say amen. Listen, he, what I mean by that, he became the atoning sacrifice for the whole world. He paid the sin debt for all mankind once and for all at the cross. You need to understand that. You need to know that. Folks, when Jesus went to the cross, he paid it all. We sing about it a lot around here. We're going to keep singing about it. Jesus paid it all and there's power in the blood. Folks, why do we sing about it? Because it's truth. It's through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that we have victory over sin and a home in heaven. I want to tell you, listen to me now. Jesus finished his, uh, his, his redemptive work through the cross. But let me tell you what else he did. 
He, they, the Bible then says that they put him in a grave. And he stayed there for three, three days. The Bible says he had a borrowed tomb. And there's a reason he had a borrowed tomb. He wasn't going to need it but three days. Amen. And so he stayed there for three days. But on that first Easter morning, he overcame the three-headed monster. That's the enemy of us all. Death, hell, and the grave. How do you know when Jesus came forth from the grave on that first Easter morning, he overcame death, he overcame hell, he overcame the grave, and now the Bible teaches that if we'll place our faith and trust in him, that we too can overcome death, we too can overcome hell, we too can overcome the grave. Not because of who we are and what we've done, but because of who he is. Amen. So he finished his work. Then guess what happened? According to Acts chapter number two, or excuse me, Acts chapter number one, the Bible says that Jesus ascended back to the heavenly Father. That he is now seated at the right hand of God uh, in his glorified state. Amen. In the place of authority. And so Jesus went back to his heavenly Father from whence he came. And so what we need to understand when he left, he didn't leave us alone. That he promised according to John 14, that when he left, he was going to send back another comforter. Another meaning one just like himself. Comforter meaning the one who comes alongside to help us. So another one just like Jesus came back to help us in the person of the Holy Spirit. John 14, uh, 16 through 18. So he restores the presence of Jesus, but we also found out last week he reveals the person of Jesus. How many of you know that, um, what? listen to me now, get a hold of this. What Jesus did in the life of the first believers in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the Holy Spirit does in our life today. Why? Because he's another one just like Jesus. He's the parakletos, the comforter that comes alongside to help us. And so he reveals the person of Christ. How does he do that? Well, we found it out. Flip over to our John 16 there and look down at verse number 8. The Bible says, when the Holy Spirit has come, he will reprove the world of sin, watch this, and of righteousness and of judgment. So what's the Holy Spirit do? He does a lot of reproving. What does it mean to reprove? The word reprove is a legal term that means to convince or to convict. So what the Bible is saying is, the Holy Spirit will convince or convict the world of sin. Now, I told you last week, it is a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit for a man, woman, boy, or girl to see their sinfulness. Because apart from His work, people don't see it. Apart from the work of the Holy Spirit that only He can do, apart from the convicting power of the Holy Spirit, they really don't see it. They see themselves to be basically okay. And they, they, they base that on the standard that they have or someone else has. But according to the standard of the Word of God, none of us are okay. According to the standard of the word of God, we're all sinners. We're all of sin and come short of the glory of God. There is none righteous, no, not one. And according to the standard of the word of God, Romans 6.23 says that the wages of our sin is death. Now, when the Holy Spirit begins doing a work in a person's life, the first thing he does is convince them and convict them of their sin. Isn't that right, brother? He begins showing you your great need for Jesus. He begins showing you just how lost and undone you truly are. He convinces or convicts the world of sin, but then it says he convinces or convicts the world. He reproves the world of righteousness. Well, who's righteousness? 
Well, first of all, he convinces and convicts us that our own self-righteous actions just ain't enough. <laughs> Folks, I want to tell you something. I tried it my way for a long time. I tried to do it myself for a long time. Hey, I, 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 I'd read the book. I'd, I'd do the work that I thought needed to be done. I tried to cross all my T's and dot all my I's, but there was no peace in it. There's no joy in it. There was nothing that, listen to me, uh, gave me the, the joy that I read about in Scripture and the joy that I've seen in other people's lives. I can see God doing a work in others, and I think, they got something I don't have. And I've kept trying in my own self-righteous actions to do what Jesus had already done. And the Holy Spirit finally began to show me that, listen to me now, my own self-righteousness is not enough. But he then began showing me and convincing, convincing me that the righteousness of Jesus is more than enough. That Jesus has already done everything necessary for me to be saved. He lived the perfect life and went to a cross and paid my sin debt. He satisfied the righteousness of God in his life and he satisfied the wrath of God in his death. So, the Holy Spirit showed me all I got to do is trust in him. He reproves the world of sin, of righteousness, and the Bible says of judgment. Judgment of who? The prince, because the prince of this world is judged, what it goes on to say there. Do you know that Satan has already been judged? That he was judged at the cross? <laughs> Do you know that the victory was won at the cross? You may battle every day. I battle every day. We all battle every day. As long as we're in this fallen creation, in a sinful world, we're going to face battles. But I've got good news for you, child of God. If the blood of Christ has been applied to your heart and life by faith, you have already won the victory. Hallelujah. You've already got it. You've already got it. The prince of this world has been judged. So that's the work of the Holy Spirit. The work of the Holy Spirit makes Jesus real to us. The, the work of the Holy Spirit is so that we, listen to me now, might gain a knowledge of Christ that we don't have. Look what it says in John 16, verse number 13. Let's go on in this. How be it when He, the, Holy, the Spirit of truth or the Holy Spirit, is come, He will guide you into all truth. Everybody say all truth. He's going to give you everything you need to know to come to the knowledge of the truth. Who is the truth? Who's the truth? Well, the Bible says in John 14, 6, Jesus said himself, I am the way, I am the truth, and the life. So the Holy Spirit's work is to bring you to the knowledge of Christ. He goes on and says this, um, He will guide you into all truth, for he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, that shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. He shall glorify me. Jesus said, he's going to come preaching about me, showing you me. It's through the work of the Holy Spirit that Jesus is made real to us. It's through the work of the Holy Spirit that we gain a knowledge of Christ. Watch what else. For he shall receive of mine, and he's going to show it unto you. I'm going to give him what I want you to see. Are you seeing that? That's the work of the Holy Spirit. He causes us to know Jesus in an intimate way. Not to merely know about Jesus, but to know Him. You know, there's a difference. There's a big difference. If I ask you this morning, and I, let me ask you this morning while we're here, um, does anybody in here know who Abraham Lincoln is? Raise your hand. Yeah. I know a lot about Abraham Lincoln. 
You probably do too. He was the 16th president of the United States. Abraham Lincoln um, was president during the Civil War. Abraham Lincoln freed the slaves through the Emancipation Proclamation. I learned part of the Gettysburg Address, probably one of his uh, more popular speeches in school. I know what he said. I know what he did. I know the speech he wrote. I know everything there is to know about Abraham Lincoln. I know he grew up in a log cabin and educated himself through reading books. I know all that. I know that he failed several times in um, trying to uh, uh, be elected to public office. I know that he went through a great time of depression. I know about his life. I know about what he did, what he didn't do. I know what he wrote. I know a lot about Abraham Lincoln, but guess what? I never knew him personally. I know about him. But to say I know him, I don't. Let me tell you this. I'm, I fear that a lot of people know about Jesus. They have an idea of who Jesus is. They've, they've read his words. They've read his speech. Can you say amen? They may even know it by heart. They know about him. But there's a difference in knowing about him and truly knowing him. Now, I'm going to tell you something. I'm not saying this braggingly. I'm saying this because I'm thankful for the grace of God. I'm glad I can tell you this morning that by the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit, I know Jesus. I'm Listen, I don't know him like I should know him. Listen, I'm not, I don't know him like I'm going to know him one day, but I'm thankful by the grace of God I know him. It's signed. It's sealed. It's delivered. It's settled in my heart. And I'm thankful this morning that I know Jesus. He's brought me into his kingdom. I'm so thankful for his amazing grace. The Holy Spirit does that work. And I want to give you this morning four points on knowing Christ and how, listen, the Holy Spirit works in that. First of all, I want to talk to you about examination. We gain a knowledge of who Christ is through examination. Let me tell you what I mean by that. Take your Bibles, keep it there, keep your place in John 16, and flip over with me to Romans chapter number 1. Romans chapter number 1, I want to read to you just two verses um, this morning, starting in verse number 18. The Apostle Paul here is giving some truth concerning the Gentile nations, the pagan nations, who didn't have the truth of God or a knowledge of God. And he speaks something about them that is true for everybody. It really is. Verse 18 says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. Verse 19 says, Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them. For God hath shown it unto them. So if a man doesn't have the word of God or any knowledge of God, he lives in a pagan culture apart from the things of God. He's alienated from the promises, if you will. That's what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 2. How does he have a knowledge of God? Well, I think, first of all, it starts with examination. Examining what? Examining the physical world that is around us. Now, that started for me at a very young age. Probably did you too. I can remember as early as, I don't know, probably third grade. In the third grade, Miss Hughes was my teacher, one of my favorite teachers. And, and she got me fired up. And you remember, don't you? Uh, she, yeah, y'all remember? Yeah, good. Listen, um, she got me fired up about learning about stars and planets and outer space and, 
and, and she started teaching me about how many stars there was and all the constellations and what made a star up. And, and I couldn't wait to get home that night and start checking out what all she was telling me. So I asked my mama if I could go out in the yard when it got dark. I took my sleeping bag out there, rolled it out in the yard, and I laid down on my back. And I started looking up and counting all of them stars that were in the heavens. I tried to find the Big Dipper and the Little Dipper and Orion and all those constellations she was telling us about. And, and, but when I was laying out there looking up at those stars, even as a boy of eight years old, seven, eight years old, I felt pretty small. Ever happened to you? When you examined the creation of God, and I began seeing somebody a lot bigger than I, did, I, I am did this. When I was about 12 years old, I took my first trip to the beach. Mom and Dad took us down, and we went to the beach on family vacation for the first time. I can remember standing on that seashore in that sand and seeing those waves crash in, and I felt pretty small. I thought, somebody bigger than me is at work here. Me and my wife got married um, August the 18th of 2001, by the grace of God, <laughs> on my part. <laughs> That's the truth. Lord's given me a good thing. August 18th, 2001, we got married. The next day, we were in Vail, Colorado, and for the first time, I stood at the foot of the Rocky Mountains, and I looked up, and as I looked up, I couldn't see the peak for all the clouds. And I felt pretty small, and I thought, man, somebody is a lot bigger than I am. About 14, 15 years ago now, almost 15 years ago now, I sit in a doctor's office in the sonogram room, and the doctor was over there doing the sonogram on my wife, and I saw for the first time my baby's heartbeat just bleeping on that screen. And I thought, man, somebody bigger than me is at work here. And boy, it really became real to me nine months later. <laughs> it's, it's even more real now. <laughs> right? What am I trying to say? It's through the examination of the physical world, the truth that there is a God much bigger than us becomes real to us. And according to Scripture, it's to all of us. Every human being that's ever set foot on the face of the earth, we have that examination. We can look out and see God, God's big and He's bigger than me. And the Bible says that truth is made manifest. It's brought out into the light. It's shown to people. God showed it unto them. Look what else, watch. Now we don't need to do what they do. The Bible says in verse 20, for the invisible things of him from the creation of the world are clearly seen, being understood by the things that are made, even his eternal power and Godhead, so that they are without excuse. Anybody who chooses to reject the God of heaven, the one true God, they don't have an excuse. Why? Because God, through the physical world and through the power of examination, has shown them who he is and what he's done. And what you do with it's up to you. I spoke to our, our youth this morning in Sunday school about, listen, what light you have, you need to do what's right with the light you've been given. And that's up to you. 
And so it's through examination that we first gain a knowledge of who God is. Uh, we, we sing about it while I go, brother, thank you so much for singing. I know that was spirit-led because I had wrote down the first two verses of how great thou art in my notes. I was going to use that today in my sermon, but, and I'm still going to use it. But it says, O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder consider all the worlds thy hands have made, I see the stars, I hear the rolling thunder, thy power throughout the universe displayed. When through the woods and forest glades I wander and hear the birds sing sweetly in the trees. When I look down from lofty mountain grandeur and hear the brook and feel the gentle breeze. And he says, I just got to say, oh, how great you are. Why? Because simply because of examination. I look out and see that. But now listen, if all you have is examination, you can know about Jesus with examination, but you can't know Jesus only by examination. Not only do you need examination, listen, the next thing you need is revelation. Revelation. Now let me give you revelation. Look at verse number three. And when I think that God his son not sparing sent him to, uh, sent him to die, I scarce can take it in that on the cross my burden gladly bearing he bled and died to take away my sin. When Christ shall come with shout of acclamation and take me home what joy shall fill my heart then I shall bow in humble adoration and there proclaim God, my God, how great thou art. Listen, verses one and two, that's examination. We look out and we see all that God has created and it's made manifest. It's shown to us. The light bulb comes on and we begin to see, you know what? Something bigger than me is at work here. But then it's through revelation that we begin to see this God who is so big, loves us so much that he sent his son to take uh, the cross on our behalf. To die so that we might live. To pay the penalty for our sin so that we could truly have freedom. How does that happen? Through the revelatory work of the Holy Spirit. He reveals that to us. I remember when that happened for me. I began to realize that it, Jesus died for my sin. Mine. I'm the one who's wrong here. I'm the one who's failed him. I'm the one who's lost and undone. I'm the one who needs him. People say, how'd you feel? I felt bad. It's like I've told you before, it's okay to feel bad. Sometimes you've got to feel bad before you can feel good. Amen. And God brought that realization to me that I was lost and undone. I'm telling you, he did a work that only he can do and showed me that, brought revelation to my heart and mind until I came to the place where I just said, Lord, I'm, I'm giving it all to you. Let me show you what that looks like. Acts chapter 2 there's a story of the Holy Spirit coming on the day of Pentecost. Acts chapter 2, verse 2, And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. So all of these believers, these early believers, 120 of them were there in Jerusalem in one place. The Bible says in one accord. And during that meeting, God the Holy Spirit, which was promised by Jesus in John 14 through 16 that we've been studying, now he's made good on that promise. And that, the Bible says that he comes with a rushing mighty wind into the house, filled them all up, and Peter stood up and began to preach. He preached one of the uh, final messages you've ever heard in your life. I want you to go back and read that in your quiet time in Acts chapter 2. He started from Abraham and went all the way to Jesus and told him how Jesus was the promised Messiah. 
and died for the sins of all mankind. He just shared the gospel. Now watch what happens in Acts chapter 2. In verse number 37, when they heard this, they were pricked. Everybody say pricked. They were pricked in their heart. And they said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, what shall we do? Woo! That's awesome. So let me get this right. The work of the Holy Spirit, the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, that coupled with the preaching of the Word of God brings men to repentance. So when the Word of God is preached and the Holy Spirit begins doing that work of revealing, making that truth real to you, revealing to you what you need, revealing to you who you are in your lost state and who Christ is in His perfect righteousness, revealing to you who you are in your lost condition and revealing who Christ is as King of kings and Lord of lords, revealing to who you are on your way to a devil's hell and, and really re- revealing who, who Christ is seated in heaven. When God begins revealing who you are and who Christ is and showing you your great need for Him, guess what? That's when salvation takes place. If you choose to receive, if you choose to do this, watch what it says. What shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized. What's he saying? Repent of your sins. Turn from your sins. And then as an outward act of an inward change, be baptized so that all might see you're in communion with Christ. You have a relationship with Jesus. Are you seeing, are you seeing that? That's what you do. So first it starts with examination. Then comes revelation. Then let me give you another one. Then comes illumination. After you've been born again and trusted in Christ, repented of your sins and placed your faith in Jesus, then he begins to illuminate for you his blessed truth. Look with me for just a moment in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. First Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. And we have received not the spirit of, war, of the world, watch this, but the spirit which is of God. Can you say amen to that, brothers and sisters? I don't have the spirit the world has. I, I used to have it. That's not how I think anymore. That's not how I, I want to live anymore. I, I don't want to live like the world, a system that is against God and against His truth. I don't want that. I've not been given the spirit of the world. Now I've been given the spirit of God. And you have too if you're a child of God. By examination, through revelation. Then watch this. But the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teacheth. So who's your teacher? Now, I'm hoping and praying that your pastor's not ultimately your teacher. Now, I'm hoping and praying that God the Holy Spirit speaks to me and speaks through me to bring illumination into your heart and life. And he does that. We'll get to that in a minute. But ultimately, our teacher is the Holy Spirit. He illuminates God's truth for us so that we might know what thus says the Lord. So that we might know what God wants us, what, what God wants us to do in our lives. Amen? That's done through the word of God. That's done through the still small voice. We'll get to that maybe next week. But watch. He goes on to say, 
The Holy Ghost teacheth, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Not, but the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him. That means apart from revelation of the Holy Spirit and you coming to faith in Christ, being born again into God's family and indwelled by the Holy Spirit, without that, you're still in your natural state. And being in your natural state, you cannot receive the things of the Spirit of God. But I've got good news for you. All who call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And when you choose to trust in Jesus... As your personal Savior, you are indwelled by the precious Holy Spirit. And now, by the discernment of the Spirit, you get a hold. The Word of God is illuminated for you. Amen. He lights it up. sets it afire. <laughs> that begins to make a difference in your heart and life. Amen. Examination. Revelation. Which leads to regeneration. Which leads to illumination. Which leads to edification. Go to Ephesians 4 and 12. Put that on the screen for me, brothers. Ephesians 4. In the 12th verse. Let's start with verse 11. And he gave some apostles, some prophets, and some evangelists, and some pastors, and some teachers. For what purpose? For the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Everybody say edifying. edifying. The word edify means to build up, to make stronger. So what, what's the Bible teaching us? That God by his precious Holy Spirit has revealed ourselves and himself to us. It started with examination. It went to revelation. Then because of the work of the Holy Spirit, I've been regenerated. I've been brought to life. <laughs> By repentance and faith. And now, because of the illumination that I get a hold of in the Word of God, the truth of God's Word and what He wants for me, He's called some to be pastors and teachers and apostles and evangelists. And we do this work through the power of the Holy Spirit for the purpose of perfecting the saints and edifying the body of Christ. Amen. So that now, by God's working on me and in me and through me, by His power, I can edify you as God is working in you and on you and through you, you edify me. And we're all growing stronger as a family of God. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you this. This means nothing to you if you don't know Jesus. But don't you want to know him? Don't, don't you want to have full assurance of your salvation? Don't you want peace that passeth all understanding, joy unspeakable and full of glory? Let me tell you this. If the Holy Spirit this morning has pricked your heart, today's the day. Repent. Trust in Jesus. And you too can be born again. That's all it takes. So easy. Now, I told you last week for me, it was a process God working here a little and there a little. I look back now and I can see where he was continually wooing me. Drawing me unto himself. It's kind of like a, this, this is probably not a perfect illustration, but it makes sense to me. Maybe it'll make sense to you. It's kind of like with my wife. We had been together and I knew her 
for a long time. And along the way, I wooed her. Amen? That's what the dating relationship is all about. You act better when you date than you act in the rest of your life. So, young ladies, if he's getting stupid while you're dating, you don't need him. Because that's, that's about the best you're going to get. After that, you're really going to see who they are. So, look deep before you leap. Amen? Look deep before you leap. So I wooed her. I, man, I, I was on my best behavior while we was, while we was dating. And, and I got her to the place where I could tell she was about ready. And I asked her to marry me. And praise God, she said yes. <laughs> and now, now listen, we have that relationship. We are joined together. You know what? Maybe the Lord Jesus has been wooing you along, bringing you unto, unto himself, showing you here a little and there a little that you need him, that he loves you, revealing to you who he is and who you are. And he's brought you to the place where today is the day of salvation. And he's so sweetly, so gently, he's calling. Don't you love that old song? What is it? What is it, brother? Softly and tenderly, Jesus is calling. Is he calling you? Do you know it? Well, don't wait. Don't wait. Come today if you need to be born again. Hey, if you are a child of God and you just want to be more used of God, you're saying, Lord, I'm giving everything to you. I want you to work in my life. Maybe you need to do that today. Maybe you need to listen to me now. If, God's, if God the Holy Spirit is convicting you of sin, get that rot gut sin out of your life so God can use you. If you need him today, you come. You need to be baptized today, you come. You want to join this church today, you come. Whatever you need, God is able. If you need to be saved, if some come say, brothers, I need to be saved. And guess what? We're going to go through the word of God. I'm going to show you what it means to trust in Jesus. I can't save you walking this aisle. I don't save but I'm telling you, Jesus is ready, willing, and able to save you this morning if you'll trust him. Only trust him. Everybody stand together.